Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hello, everyone. Here we are on episode 101, and I am excited to introduce you today to Mary Cook. She is an awesome homeschool mom who has a great story, and she does some really cool things, too. So welcome, Mary. And just, you know, tell us your story. So I am the mom of one little miracle boy. I call him my miracle boy because... uh, not only did it take me years to be able to have him and we went through a miscarriage and all of that infertility, but he's also tried to like die on me a couple of times. So it's <laughs> like, it's a miracle that he's alive. So he's my little miracle child. And I have two fur babies. One is 12 and one is one and a half. And we travel around in an RV. And before that, we lived in Hong Kong. And I've lived up and down the East Coast. So we are definitely a travel family. I don't like getting stuck any one place and I get bored really easily. I have since learned that's my ADHD, but it's my personality too. I was a teacher. I've been a photographer and now I'm a parenting coach. And that is awesome. So tell us a little bit about your journey, about how you went through all these things and how you got to be a parenting coach. Oh, so ironic. Growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher. I used to do all the things at the church, right? The church was literally my second home. I took care of everybody's kids in the church. I did all of the youth group stuff. Any of the babysitting, I was there. Any of the teaching, I was there. And I just like, this is my calling. But then in my junior year in high school, I couldn't take the sixth subject that I really wanted, archaeology. And so I did photography and I fell in love with photography and telling the story with photographs because I've always loved art, but I'm just not very good at drawing, which will be ironic in a minute. And so I went to school for photography, loved it, but was like, oh, this is not secure. I need a secure job. This was pre-recession. And so I was given this amazing opportunity to actually receive two degrees in one at my school. And so I got my master's in elementary education and my bachelor's in photography. And then the recession hit. (laughs) And I actually, um, I was married to somebody else and it was very abusive. There was a lot that happened. I don't really want to, I'm not going to go into detail, but just say it's a, it was a huge part of my life. I had to learn to rely on a lot of people. I had to really look at what I wanted in life and what boundaries I want to put up. And teaching just really, the school I was teaching, it didn't work out. And so I started doing some other things. And I went back home at one point. Went back home, lived in an RV, uh, stayed there at my mom's friend's yard in the middle of nowhere. And I just tried to figure out who I was and what I wanted. And then moving back down to South Carolina and getting a teaching job. Actually, I had to drove buses at one point. And finally, I met my current husband. We got married. And one day, after a few years, I looked at him. I was like, yeah, our photography business is growing. But 
I'm feeling kind of dead inside. Literally said, my soul is dying. I need a change. And I said, I'm going to ask you something. And I don't want you to give me an answer right away. But what do you think about moving abroad? <laughs> he has like never left his home pretty much. He's always been inside of Carolina. So that's huge for him. And we finally agreed to it. And within two months, we were living in Hong Kong. And I was an art teacher, finally, in Hong Kong, because I'm actually dual certified. So here I am, this girl who was told I should take a different class because I couldn't draw in middle school. I was told not to take art because I wasn't good at drawing. I'm now the one helping kids discover this love of art. And I really attribute that time in my life. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm like thinking of my old students now. I really attribute that time in my life to where I am now because being away from my home, being with this really international group of people with lots of different beliefs, even though it was a Christian school, like there's just so much variety there, right? And really delving back into child development again and just trying to like learn everything I could to be the best art teacher I could be really set me up for when I had my because until that point I was told you know kids are entitled they're just getting worse every single year I remember as a teacher in South Carolina I was literally told these kids are heathen and they wouldn't be such heathens in my classroom if they would just get spanked. So this was like deeply ingrained into me, be even beyond my own parents, right? And so my husband and I, we had done the pre-talk of how we believed we would parent. And we were aligned that we were going to spank and do all the things. And then I became an art teacher. And I was the art teacher who was all about helping kids find their own voice and experiment and explore and I didn't even do the prescribed like art projects. We would learn about a topic. We would explore some of that together. And then they were allowed to choose their own projects. And I had parents come and tell me that their kids came from the Hong Kong public school system and refused to do art, hated it. And then they were doing it at home now after being in my class because they found something that they really loved and enjoyed and wasn't so do it my way, you know? And I took that. And when my son was born and he was 10 months old and he was already running, he was trying to get this fan, you know, those old school wire fan things. And he wanted to put his hands in the van. And my husband and I kept going, no, no, don't touch that. You know, I'm like thinking that this was going to be good for a 10 month old. I don't know why. And when <laughs> we do, yeah, I like, just say no a million times, right? And then finally my husband said, hit his hand so he knows not to touch it. And something in me was just like, I can't do that. Like, that, that doesn't make sense. We just told him not to hit the dog. <laughs> and now we're going to hit him. But, you know, now all this time, I know that kids need their hands to explore. And if you hit their hands, then they're not going to feel free to explore. And then we're going to... And it just sent me into this spiral. And I didn't know what else to do. I was literally Googling how to parent based on your instincts and how to parent without spanking. 
because I didn't know what else there was out there. Gentle parenting wasn't a word in my vocabulary. I had to really kind of discover what else was out there. In fact, I got kicked out of my first gentle parenting group because I was trying to figure out why we don't spank it and we processed that and they didn't like that because I asked about it twice and I almost gave up I almost get I literally remember saying they're like well did I should I do this give questioning things isn't part of gentle parenting should I even do this like I was mad I was actually really really mad and I was about to give up and then luckily somebody gave me some other groups to try and I have been in those groups ever since so over five years now almost six and that really changed everything for me and I just started delving into it reading all of the books and I created a blog I have an old blog where I was like sharing all the things I learned and trying I was reading how to talk so little kids will listen and I was like, this is how I tried it with my toddler. And this is how I tried it with my fourth through sixth graders. And I was talking about all I learned. And that eventually led me to becoming a parenting coach so that I can help other parents with that same transition. So I work with the parents who have gone from, I'm going to spank my kids, or this is how I grew up. And I have no idea what else to do <laughs> to, okay, how can I actually parent from a place of curiosity and connection. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I love how your journey exemplifies the idea that, I mean, I think sometimes we think we're going to go on our journey and it's just going to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it's just going to be a straight shot. For most of us, I don't think it right. works that way. No, not at all. I'm so sorry. Marries. Leave it. I'll have a whole two hours without anything. And then all of a sudden, the one thing you need it for it like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to roll with it. Sometimes. So, yeah, I, it would be really nice <laughs> if our journeys did not have all these obstacles because sometimes they can feel complicating. And sometimes you wonder how you're going to get through it. Um, I wish I could say that it was all that nice and easy. And then it's just like, be bop boop and I'm done, you know? But there's been, and even still, even as a parent, I tell people all the time, I am not perfect. <laughs> I am still growing and discovering. And each new stage of child development brings about new things that I need to explore within myself and, and build upon, right? And so there's always going to be something for me to grow and discover yeah for sure and that's why it's a journey like because if we're not if we don't keep growing and discovering then we're just sitting there we're not turning we're not progressing yeah and and love how you had all these seemingly random things you did but they've all kind of come together and connected yeah. for you where you are now and i think that happens a lot in people's lives but we don't always see it when we're in it, you know? It definitely felt like I was going back and forth between like photography and teaching. And now that I have chosen to be a parent coach, I'm like, wow. Like if you look at what I did in photography, my goal in photography was to bring families together and to make women feel empowered. That was literally what I was going for. That was the kind of photography I did. 
And then, you know, I'm a teacher and I'm really trying to help people explore and find their voice and, and their passions. Right. And then I really just brought it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and who knows? Maybe it'll change to something else. But, you know, it just seems to get more and more clear the more we go. And I think it helps to remember that all these things work together for our good. And they do come together so that we can serve more people. Yeah. And it's just even beyond other people, these experiences, the biggest thing of all is just that I'm a better mom. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm they a better mom, I'm us. a better wife. Yeah, I'm a better friend, mostly. I still have ADHD, so, you know, I don't always catch the social cues. But um, I am just, I'm not the person that I was going to be six years ago. You know, I was, my child would have had a vastly different life if I hadn't gone through those things, including the domestic violence. If I hadn't gone through that, then that one meme that was, you know, two pictures of like a mom or a wife being yelled at and a kid being yelled at. And it was like, oh, wife being yelled at because she didn't get the house clean. A kid being yelled at because he didn't clean his room. One we call abuse, the one we call parenting. That one hit me in such a way I'm literally crying out. It still affects me because I lived it. And if I hadn't lived it, I might not have delved so deeply to, to really understand the implications of the way I was raised and how it has manifested in me as an adult. And I'm not blaming my parents, y'all. Like, I don't want anybody to think like, oh, you did something and now you're horrible. Like, no. We do what we can with what we got, because, mm. you know, you can only do what you know, but once you know, you can do better. Yes, I love that. And what your story really shows is that we can be chain breakers. Yes. You know, we don't have to keep passing on the things that don't serve us well. We can make changes and do new things. And, you know, when you're talking about being the art teacher, one thing I really loved about that is that... You were more concerned about the students and how they felt about themselves and how they felt about being yeah. them than you were about making them do the curriculum. Yeah. The projects. I, I was definitely blessed in Hong Kong. It's definitely more about the academics. And for better or for worse, <laughs> as long as I was teaching and having a certain criteria met, and the laws basically was as long as the kids were behaving and I could quote unquote control the classroom, I was free to do what I wanted for the most part. I, and even in that, I had my own struggles. You know, you talk about the hero journey. I had my maternity leave substitute. She tried to get me fired because she didn't believe in the way I taught. And she wasn't even qualified to teach. So there's always something, y'all. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It really, really mattered to me that I, I didn't like being told in sixth grade that I shouldn't take art because I'm not a good drawer. Mm -hmm. I don't want that for kids. I wanted them to explore and realize like there's so much more in the art world than just drawing. Well, and, and sometimes I think we just assume that if people don't pick something up right away, oh, you're not talented or natural at it too bad. And they're like, yep. you know, anybody can learn pretty much anything they want to. It, yeah. They're just skilled. Even if you're not naturally talented. 
you know? Exactly. And the experimentation and being messy and being, and it looking quote unquote horrible is actually a part of the process. Yes. And that's part of the whole hero's journey. You're going to run into struggles and, and you're going to fail. Yes. And yet we hate doing that as human beings. We don't, we want it. We just think it should turn out good just because we did it. <laughs> and you're like, I may, I may suffer from that every now and then. Just a oh, bit. I do too. <laughs> and then I have to remind myself, hold up. Wait, I don't actually know how to do this yet. I got to keep practicing. And there can my be kids beauty in too. the mess, right? Yep. There's beauty in the mess. Well, and because you're learning lessons in the mess that you could never have learned had you not made the mess. Yes. Yes. Definitely. You know, it's not just art. It's life, right? Yeah, so, that's what parents said a lot. It's like, you know, the mistakes are necessary and they're actually the most helpful part of the process. They so, are. And yet we all still hate right. them. <laughs> that's okay, too. <laughs> Well, as long as we recognize that they are there to help us and we can learn from them. This is just a great story. And I love how you changed your whole parenting system from what you knew. And I had similar things where I had no idea how to parent my kids. When I mean, who does? We all think we do before we have kids, <laughs> right? Especially when you're a teacher first. You know how many parents would come up to me and be like, I'm struggling with this behavior at home. How do you deal with it? And I'm like sitting here childless. I'm like, well, I mean, this is what we do, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you at home. Because <laughs> it's a different relationship. But at the same time, that's the beautiful thing. It's a skill that can be learned. And one thing I've learned about parenting, uh, I've heard this said, Parenting is probably the best self personal development professional speaking felt to your honors. Yes, it, it challenges all of our preconceived notions. But I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, my kid has been doing this a lot lately. I realized that I, it's me. It's me. I'm the one that's doing all of this, and he's just doing what I've been doing. So maybe I need to stop. Let's Right, exactly. I mean, it's a beautiful system because what else would inspire us enough to change <laughs> other than mini-me's, yeah. right? Little mirrors. Yep. I, and that's one thing I was going to say about parenting is that I realized, you know, so much of parenting is learning how to control me, bummer, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but also really good. So when you're coaching parents, on how to help their kids, how does that come into play? Well, I really base it off of curiosity and connection, right? And so the first thing that we want to do is get curious about the situation and then connect with our kids because everything else, all of the discipline and learning, all that stuff, it can't happen until you've connected with your kids. Um, there's like a whole science behind it. But even when I was a teacher, before I knew the science, you know, the polyvagal theory and everything, it was your kids can't learn if they're cold, if they're hot, if they're hungry, if they're thirsty, if they had a really hard morning and they've been crying all morning, they're not ready to learn. And I feel like this is very true for homeschooling as well, even with 
as much freedom as we have with homeschooling, because I'm also a homeschooling mom, if your kid isn't in the right place and they don't feel safe, aka connected, they are not ready to absorb and retain information. So and, true. And so what I really help parents do is, first of all, you know, we're, we're understanding what are our actual values as a family? Because I can say, oh yeah, we wanted to have this as a family, but oftentimes it's because it's what everybody else does. You know, like being the Pinterest mom or having the perfect, having all the after school activities. Well, I got to get my kid in all these activities because that's what you're just supposed to do, right? Like you got to get your kid in these team sports and this or that. Well, is that a part of your family's value? Or are you just doing it because you feel you have to? Because if, whether it's school sports or making your child not jump on the couch, right? You know, whatever it is, or even stop cursing. If you don't believe it with all of your heart and they can do it yourself too, you're not going to be consistent with the boundaries that you need. And it's going to come across as very pleasant, like very like, oh, she doesn't really believe that. Kids can tell. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you are uncertain, they will be uncertain. And then they'll keep pushing it to see how uncertain you really are and what they can get away with. And then you'll give up. And then you'll be like, well, that thing's working. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that is the very first thing is just making sure that whatever boundaries you're putting into place, first of all, are age appropriate, right? And not even just age appropriate, but child appropriate because my five-year-old and your five-year-old will be different. Mm -hmm. But they're also based on your personal family values and you're communicating those in a way that's starting with connection, curiosity, and again, in an age-appropriate way. Okay. And realizing, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Realize okay. and then we'll I'm go. Realizing <laughs> that even if your boundary, like, or your expectation is, you know, B here, but they're all the way, or maybe it's D. We'll say D, right? My boundary is that my child will not jump on the couch. I don't have this expectation, but some people do. But my <laughs> child is jumping on the couch. You can't just go, well, I firmly believe that they shouldn't jump on the couch and they should automatically do that. No, you have to meet your child where they're at and get curious about what need they're meeting by jumping on the couch. And then scaffold the learning and the, and the guidance and the expectations in a way that makes sense for them to lead them to your expectation. Because they're little people that are growing and don't understand everything and are, you know, especially when it comes to what people deem as like attitude. My kid, people, like my, our families would probably flip hearing my kids sometimes talk to me. And honestly, I know him. I know he's not being disrespectful, so to speak. I have a better understanding of where he's coming from. I just know that he doesn't have the nuance yet and the vocabulary yet to really explain what he's needing. That's my job to interpret that and then guide him into that. Uh, yeah, I love that. And, and what I was going to say was, is I really love what seems like a hinge point here because usually what happens when kids are, are misbehaving parents will get upset 
because in their mind, their expectations not being met because right. they're, you know, misbehaving. So what most people usually do is they'll get angry and complain about it. But you're giving a whole different little hinge point right here is instead of complaining or getting angry, get curious. Yeah. I love that because when you get curious, you're just sit, you explore and say, so why is this happening? What yeah. needs are being met by my child doing this? Are they getting attention from me or they, do they just need to go run around outside, you know? And that and is also thing. realizing most of the time when our child misbehaves, this is Paula, that polyvagal theory, their brain is automatically saying, hey, something's unsafe. My, what we call like the green safe zone advances didn't work. You know, that's like when your kid is saying, hey, will you hold my hand or can I have a hug? And you like push the arc, look at this, right? And you're like, no, 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 I need to do this right now. And I'm not saying never do that. I definitely do sometimes because, you know, you're our parents and you're an adult and they're like, but when that doesn't get met, they're going to automatically advance to the next stage and to the next stage, you know? And oftentimes we feel like, well, it just happened. They're just crying over the pink cup that I, they asked for, right? But what we can say is, oh, wow, okay, they're crying over a pink cup. I wonder what is feeling so heavy for them that this pink cup has become the catalyst for all their emotions. Yeah. And then we can work backwards to help meet the needs that they're conveying need to be met. Well, and that's, that's even like something with adults. Like, mm -hmm. like we totally just like stuff all the little triggers until all of a sudden it just, we yep. can do stuff longer than kids can. <laughs> and so, yeah. Some, yeah, sometimes it's harder to backtrack, but yeah, just being aware and getting curious is such a good idea. And that's actually one of the things that we talk about best, like how I help parents with that. We talk about observing yourself first uh -huh. and learning your own needs first, because until you do that, you're not going to do very well at doing your kids because you're going to be so in your own mess that you're not going to be able to see theirs. Yes, because you're going to just keep getting triggered and it's always going to be them, except for it's not really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk just a little bit about kids needing to feel connected and safe in order to be able to learn. So, I mean, probably we've all experienced something where we've tried to get our kids to learn something like in schoolwork or whatever, and we have a massive power struggle because we know they have to get through the, the workbook or whatever, or the textbook, and then they're getting frustrated because they don't understand it, and then they get all angry, and you probably noticed they're not learning very well, and you basically just end up telling them the answers. <laughs> yeah. Just I, to get I've it done. I've a child that will do that. <laughs> and we don't even do, like, he's five, right? So he's almost six. But we, and I'm more of an unschooling bent. So there's a lot of freedom, but there definitely will come a time where he's just like, just tell me. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, I can't just tell you. You got to know. And you can continue this power struggle or you can let it go for the moment. I think what's really hard, especially my generation, is this idea of letting go has been bullied into us that is the worst possible thing you could ever do is to not finish, not keep going, not just get it done. When in actuality, we all have ebbs and flows. 
And our bodies sometimes need that state of rest or need to get up and get the wiggles out. I was actually just talking about this on a call right before here. And it's like, okay, her son is like really needing the break, but he's actually refusing the break. We're looking at, okay, well, why, right? Why is he struggling? He doesn't want to do it, but he also doesn't want to have the break. So what is it that he is needing? Well, she's like, he really does have like all the wiggles. He can't sit still. He's doing all, he needs to have like an active break. Okay. So why won't he take it? Well, because that means I'm, he's no longer having that one-on-one -on -one time with mommy. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's literally that disconnection. Like, well, I can't do this. I'm struggling with this. I'm already feeling like a failure. And now I'm being sent away from mommy. Even though she's like from the bottom of her heart, she's just trying to help her kid and help meet that underlying need of getting the wiggles out. She has to meet that emotional need as well. So what we came up with was you say you need a break, right? Like, oh, I can see we all need a break right now. You want to come and do like the wiggles with me or come dance with me or do jumping jacks with me or even just change up. Like if you're doing addition, like she's got a younger kid. So it's like, if you're doing two plus two, maybe you do jumping jacks to count those out, right? And so finding some alternatives to meet all of the needs at the same time and still getting what you need done done. Yeah, I love that. And it's so good that you get curious to figure out why he's not going to go take a break. And because after a while, if, if you're not paying attention, then what mom's going to do is just say, I just need you to take a break, you know, yeah. when real you know, she just runs away. <laughs> yeah. But when really you both need a break, what we have to realize too, is these kids are making up these stories about what their parents mm -hmm. believe about them and creating their own mm -hmm. stories about what they believe about themselves. And I mean, we can't control all the stories they make. For no. sure. <laughs> Never. <laughs> can't control all the stories we make up. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Right. But we can work on that. But okay, still. Yeah, but, but that's such a good way to look at it is not to put it on them. Oh, you're, you're wiggly. And so then they might start thinking, oh, I'm bad. I can't get this. Mom needs me to go away. You know, instead just say, hey, let's take a break. I mean, that makes so much sense. And do it together, right? Do it together. Uh, and I, and this is true of many things beyond schooling of like, mm -hmm. we can ask our kids to go do something. Or we can invite them into what we're doing. Nine out of 10 times, especially with kids under like 10, they are more likely to jump into our world with us when it's invited, even when it's not, <laughs> than they would be to just go and do it on their own. Yep, for sure. And then when they're teenagers, they flip flop. But yeah. <laughs> But we can still keep inviting. <laughs> the invitation is really powerful because it's saying, I want you here. Uh -huh. I want to spend time with you. But you also have a choice. Yes. That's so good. I love that. Well, I think we're actually getting to the end of our time here. And I want to be respectful of your time. But I would love to have you tell our audience where they can find you and connect with you. Okay. So my company is Parenting with Joy and Confidence, and you can find me at joyandconfidence.com. I also have a free Facebook group, so facebook.com slash groups slash joyandconfidence. 
you can just search that joy and confidence joy and confidence love it and the title right now is mom's breaking generational trauma and parenting through connection that's awesome and so needed (laughs) all right well thank you so much for taking your time and sharing all these great parenting tips with us and i'm going to write that one down the invitation is powerful because it shows them they are wanted but they still have the choice yep so good all right thank you so much bye guys Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.